Hello, this is Pastor Aaron Shepherd, and you are listening to the sermon podcast of Union Congregational Church, the church by the park in East Walpole, Massachusetts. At Union, we believe in the power of God's word. And so whether you are able to join us when we gather each week at 1015 on Sunday mornings, or whenever or wherever this podcast finds you, I hope that you are inspired anew to deeper faith and greater resolve by the message of the gospel. Our current sermon series is called The Saints of Summer. Throughout this summer, we are assembling an all-star lineup of both well-known and less well-known people whose lives proclaim the good news of God's grace. Here's this week's message. Uh, Today's reading is from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, the First Nations Version. But you, my sacred family members, have been called to walk in freedom. Do not use this freedom to walk in weak and broken human ways. Instead, walk in love and serve each other. For all of our law finds its full meaning and purpose in this one instruction. Love your fellow human beings in the same way you love yourself. If you keep on acting like wild animals, biting and snapping at each other, watch out. You may end up wiping each other out. continuing a series here at Union of sermons on the saints of summer, people whose lives show forth the truth and the joy of the gospel. And as that musical cue might signal to you, today's saint is Fred Rogers. A couple weeks ago, we heard about uh, Samson Occam. He was the, the, another in our series. And we heard the First Nations version of the Bible Uh, read in in service. This is a new translation of the scriptures by a group, uh, an intertribal council of native folks um, trying to translate the the words of scripture into an indigenous worldview. And one of the the remarkable things about this translation that I really appreciate are are the ways in which they've taken care to, to really choose some important words to translate in a really unique way. One of the things that stands out as you're, as you're reading the First Nations version is the way they translate names. So they, so they render names in the kind of Native American way, where Paul, which is Paulus in Greek, it means small. So they translate his name as small man. Uh, Jesus, Yeshua, is derived from, from Yahweh and Shua, which means God delivers. And so they translate that creator sets free. So when you see Jesus's name, it appears as creator sets free in this version. And there are, of course, all sorts of other little translations sprinkled throughout this version. Um, For instance, brothers and sisters, a phrase Paul often uses, we heard just a moment ago. It's translated as my sacred family members. In the passage we just heard, there's a line that in the NRSV is translated, become slaves to one another. Here it's translated instead as walk in love and serve each other. But my favorite, my favorite translation choice in the First Nations version is the way they translate the word grace, caritas in Greek. They translate it always as great kindness. 
In the opening to the letter, Paul always opens his letter, or almost always opens his letters with these familiar words. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the First Nations version, it says, I greet you with the great kindness and peace that comes from our Father above and our honored chief, creator sets free. The chosen one has called you by the gift of his great kindness to walk the road with him. This gift of great kindness, that is the high calling of grace in Jesus Christ. It's what God has given us in Christ to accompany us along life's journey. This emphasis on the kindness of God is the subject of a book by Catholic theologian uh, Dr. Janet Soskis. She points out that in Middle English, the words kin and kind mean the same thing. So to describe Christ as our kind Lord is also to say Christ is kin to us. He's family to us. And this theologian wants us to note and take, take a special care to note all the ways in which God is described in terms of these kinship relations all throughout Scripture. In Deuteronomy 32, uh, this is called the Song of Moses. In verse 6, it describes God as our Father. It's the only place in the Old Testament where God is addressed like that. A few verses later, though, it says that God gave birth to us. And so God is our mother. And of course, it's not just in the Old Testament that we see this in the New Testament as well. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus asks, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he points to his disciples and he says, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. In other words, Jesus is not just a kind savior, a good friend. Jesus is kin to us. And through Christ, we are with God, as this translation says, one sacred family. And the thing about family and those kinship relations is that they are not something that we earn. They are not something that we ask for or choose. Your family, for better or worse, is given to you. It is, it is given to us. The gift of family is this gift of, of kindred, of kinship relations. It is the gift of kindness, of grace. Psalm 133 says, How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. And that is very true. But what's radical about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that it's not only our biological family or our, our tribe or our nation or those who are like us who are our kin. It is those who do the will of God, as Christ says. It is those who have received this gift of great kindness. All of those people become kin to us. And then the commandment for us is to love even those who are not kin to us as though they were. And so the centrality of kinship, this, this, this family relation, was so critical to the Christian life. It, and yet it's been something that we often overlook. We speak of God as the Lord or as, as the Almighty, as something far removed from us. From about the 4th century onward, the Christian life was, was dominated by this view 
that what it meant to be a Christian was to master oneself, to, to separate oneself from the world, to live a sanctified life by gaining control over oneself. But Soskis writes that when we realize that God is found in these kinship relations, what we want is not a monk off in a cloister, but one who finds God while cooking a meal with one child clamoring for a drink and another who needs their bottom wiped and a baby throwing up on your shoulder. For of all of life's experiences, none is so unselving that takes us out of ourselves so much as a baby whose demands are immediate, inconvenient, irrational, sometimes inexplicable, and always just. There's no arguing with a baby. Instead, we need to cultivate the spiritual discipline of attention, she writes, being at the disposal of another. Because when we are at the disposal of another, when we attend to them, when we care for them, we are drawn out of ourselves. And this is the, the word ecstasis, ecstasy, which was the spiritual goal that all those monks off in the desert thought that they could achieve. They didn't need to go out to the desert to do that. They could have found it right in the kitchen had the men decided to go into the kitchen. <laughs> <clears throat> and if you recognize in this description of being drawn out of yourself your own experience as a parent or one who has been parented, you begin to, you begin to get a glimpse of what it means to call God kin, to call God father or mother or brother. And of course, the thing about these relationships, the thing that makes them different, not only from, from other kinds of relations in our lives, is not just that they are unearned, like a, a promotion at work. You can get fired from those jobs. You can, you can become friends with someone and then, and then move away from them. But once you become a mother or a sister or a brother, you are always that. A mother is always a mother to her son, a sister is always a sister to her brother. And nothing, not even death, can break that bond. Because there is something holy in that space between parent and child, brother and sister. There is kindness, kinness, grace in that. And Christ, Christ sets us free so that not only can we show kindness to those in our own homes, but we can show them to our neighbors as well, which brings us to Mr. Rogers. He was a TV host and a personality, certainly, but beneath and above that, he was also always a minister of the gospel, ordained by the Presbyterian Church to the ministry of evangelism through the television to the children of this nation. Each week on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, each day on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, he would proclaim the good news. He would say, I like you just the way you are. A couple years back, there was a documentary and a feature film about Mr. Rogers that came out, and uh, there was this, there was this fury, uh, flurry of, of new awareness about his legacy and how important Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was for generations of children Rogers didn't refer to his shows as episodes, he called them visits. 
And of course, he always referred to his viewers, not as viewers, but as neighbors. Those visits were a chance, of course, for kids to come and visit him in his TV home, but it was also a chance for him to go into their home. And he said, he said once, the space between the TV and the child is very holy, sacred ground. It's a space of sacred encounter, and he says, so it should be a space of kindness, of kinship. Love is at the root of everything, Rogers once said. All learning, all parenting, all relationships, love or the lack of it. And what we see and hear on the screen is part of who we become. And it's a sad thing, though, that along with this renewal of, of, of interest in Mr. Rogers, this was quickly turned into yet another site of cultural warfare in which some TV personalities blamed this message of acceptance and love, saying that, saying that a whole generation of entitled people were told that they were fine just the way they are, that they don't have to work for anything. It's anti-American, they said, this idea that people could be worth something without earning that. And maybe that's true. It may go against the sort of American ideology of pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, but, but it's clear that what Mr. Rogers was saying was firmly in line with the gospel of Christ and with faith in that great gift of kindness which God gives us through him. Now others, others are a little put off by Mr. Rogers and his sort of slow and saccharine appearance and diction. But everything he did on that show, the gentle pace, the, the, the measured tone that he took, all of that was very intentional. He wanted to make sure that children were attending to the words he was saying. They were carefully chosen words, and he wanted them to have time to process and think about them. People of all ages tend to pay more attention when you speak slowly and quietly. Then there was his seemingly unfailing kindness, particularly towards children. His wife would often talk about whenever they would go anywhere, he would always know and notice if there were children in the room. He would always attend to them because he was a master of that spiritual discipline of attention. And it wasn't just children either. Uh, the great cellist Yo-Yo Ma talks about meeting him for the very first time. And Mr. Rogers came and stood next to him and moved about six inches away from his face, much closer than most people will stand to you when they're speaking. And he said, and he just told him how much he loved Yo-Yo Ma's beautiful music. And from that moment, he said, we were friends because it was clear how intent and his, his attention was. Again, this can be off-putting to many. We are unused to the full attention of others that can make us uncomfortable. But if kindness is a matter of love, then it is certainly a matter of attending to one another. And that is what the kindness of God means. It means that God attends to each and every one of us, that God not only hears our prayers and receives our worship on Sunday morning, but sees us for who we are all along life's journey. 
And of course, not just us either, but all of creation, right? Every, every cawing crow, every needle on the pine trees, every blinking star out in the depths of space that only a gigantic telescope can see, all of that is under the attention of God and under God's care. And the question about Mr. Rogers was always this. Is this guy for real? Is it all just a, a show? Is it all just a, an act he's putting on? Everyone wanted to know that of him. And it seems like, based on those who met him, it wasn't. He was that. He was kind. He was attentive. He was, of course, not a perfect man. He did not have a perfect life. He grew up in a, in a wealthy family, but, but had a very unhappy childhood. He was, he was told to be out of sight and out of mind for his parents. He, he was bullied for being overweight as a kid. When he started doing his show, his exacting attention to detail would sometimes cause him to be frustrated with people on his set. But those few instances were the exception to this basic way of being. He had to be kind to people. And it was firmly rooted in this, in this gospel message of God's great gift of kindness. He said he heard it when he was a kid, and it really took root in him at that time when he felt like no one else saw him for who he was. Efforts to tear down who Mr. Rogers was remind me of that last line of the scripture. It says, if you keep on acting like wild animals, biting and snapping at each other, watch out. You may end up wiping each other out. And that's true. I think so much of what we see on TV today and on our smaller screens is, is this biting and snapping at each other. Wild animals bite and snap, though, because they are afraid, because they are stressed. And we human beings are all animals, too. In an article in The Atlantic entitled Why People Are Acting So Weird, that came out a couple months ago, writer Olga Kazan points out that all of the sort of strange behaviors we've started to see in public in this pandemic and post-pandemic period uh, are, are, very, are very odd and off-putting. She, she says... There's been this uptick, this rash of disorderly, rude, and unhinged conduct. You see it in these viral videos of airplane passengers losing their minds at flight attendants and having to be escorted off, or people yelling at grocery store workers. You see it in more egregious ways in, in murder rates, rates of domestic and physical violence, car accidents. All of these things are on the rise and Kazan offers a few explanations for why this beat is, and the first one is simply, we are all stressed. That our baseline anxiety and stress has been raised over these past few years because there was a time when making a decision about whether to go to the grocery store or not was a very high risk, low reward decision. I mean, now you go to the grocery store and you got to pay out the nose for your groceries and you got to worry about whether or not you're going to catch some deadly disease. When someone gets this, this angry failing, uh, a psychology professor says, then any sort of provocation from that baseline level of anxiety, any sort of provocation will lead to, to aggression 
more often than not. And so, and so he says, not only are people encountering more provocations these days, that there are staffing shortages and, and, and mask mandates and, and all these sorts of things, but everyone's mood is already worse because of this anxiety we feel. This professor, Ryan Martin, said, Americans don't really like each other very much right now. What a time to hear that gospel message then. I like you just the way you are. Attention, patience, and compromise. These are the spiritual disciplines that we cultivate when we attend to the kindness of God. And we do so trusting in the kindness of God towards us and each other, that God is kin to us, and that whatever frustrations, whatever sorrows, whatever joys, whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, we can take those to God because God is attentive to our needs. We know, we know, based on these promises and assurances of Scripture, based upon the testament of faith, that God receives our worries and our stress with patience and attention. Patience and attention we may not always feel towards our fellow human beings, even ones we love very much. That's why it's so important to return to and appreciate this, this great gift of kindness, this gift of great kindness that we have through Jesus Christ that empowers us to give that grace, that great kindness to others. And so when you look to your neighbor or to your spouse or to your children or to the driver in the next car who just cut you off <laughs> or to the church member at that committee meeting who, who doesn't seem to find any agreement with you, mm. consider the kindness of God that we are all one great sacred family and that those bonds of kinship are sacred and everlasting because God likes us. God likes us just the way we are. Amen. Thank you for listening. I hope this week's message has been a blessing to you. I know that having you listen to it is a blessing to our church. For more information about Union and its ministries, you can visit churchbythepark.org or find us on social media. Our handle is at churchbythepark. Our theme music is by the 126ers. Once again, blessings on your day, on your week, and may the peace of Christ be with you.